0: Good day, everybody. Tom Block, Keith Jones with you. Folks, we're feeling so good, we didn't even wait to Sunday to record this. I mean, we just said, let's just do it now. Let's get this over with about five minutes into the first quarter like FSU does every week now and just turn the page. We don't even need a 24-hour rule, Keith. We have like a five-minute rule, and then we're looking at the next opponent.
1: Well, before coming up, you've made the comment. I'm going to uh, tell our listeners that uh, you were actually uh, getting bored during the ball game. So uh, I, I, my response was, it's about time. I, those are the days I remember when we used to get bored during the ball game.
0: Four in a row like this, though, Keith. I don't remember the. I guess 2013 is the last time we had four in a row. This lopsided.
1: It's been a while. I'd have to look, obviously. Uh, but it's uh, it's a it's a good problem to have. Uh, My only fear right now is, as we're recording this, uh, we're about uh, an hour and a half past the ending of the Florida Vanderbilt game in which the Gators lost to the Commodores. And um, that might put a little edge on them as they come into Dope Campbell on Friday night after Thanksgiving. We'll see, but uh, I wish they'd have blown them out and and, then maybe came in with a different attitude. We'll we'll see.
0: We'll see. you say that now, and I had that thought too, Keith, but assuming Florida State takes care of business on Friday, we'll appreciate that the 2022 season will forever reflect that Vandy beat Florida.
1: Trust I, me. I understand. I understand. Uh, I'm being, I, I'm being uh, paranoid uh, early.
0: No, no, I hear you. I hear you. So here's the thing, Keith. I, Florida State was going to win this football game easily today anyway. You look at this run, and it is kind of crazy that it's happened this way. But Georgia Tech was without its starting quarterback. Miami started its starting quarterback, and clearly he wasn't healthy. Syracuse started its starting quarterback. I don't know if he was healthy or not. He didn't look like the same guy, but they left him in for the beatdown until two minutes to go, so he couldn't have been that hurt. And then we get word that just before the game, I'm not sure when FSU found out, that Louisiana didn't have its starting quarterback because he tore his ACL. So you've gone four straight games. And, and you're not seeing the best quarterback play. But that said, the thing that excites me the most about this stretch, Keith, first of all, the offense is taking care of business, but so is the defense, so is the special teams. They're not letting anybody hang around. They're leaving no doubt. I mean, they're just going up and down the field. Florida State scored on the first drive of the game today, the first drive of the second half. They're leading the ACC and scoring on first drives. They are just leaving no doubt, and it's very businessman, uh, businesslike, workmanlike, and they're taking care of business.
1: Those that, uh, have, that, did, that did not watch the game will look at the final score and say, wait a minute, defense gave up 17 points. But that was 14 points in the fourth quarter, and I didn't recognize two-thirds of the names and numbers that were out there. Right. Uh, so I think they were playing the scout teams, which is great. Um, they got all the way down to their fourth-string quarterback at one time did FSU. So uh, I, I, I put a little less on how that score looks to the untrained eye, because surely if the, if the ones and the twos had stayed out there for the entire ball game, it might have been the third consecutive game without giving up a touchdown.
0: You know what else is crazy? We'll get to this earlier in the show than last week. Last week, Jordan Travis accounted for five touchdowns, and none of us even got around to talking about it until 20 minutes into debriefing the game, right? Right. I felt like Jordan Travis was in the passing game. We're not very sharp today and yet he was nine for 14, and his legs were lethal, and he still controlled the game, and Louisiana may have felt like they had a good plan, and they were doing some good things, and yet they look up at the scoreboard, and they're trailing 21 nothing at the end of the first quarter. I mean, it, it, it was just, it, it speaks to just how far Jordan Travis and this offense have come. I mean, that one red zone, I don't remember which touchdown it was, Keith, but the one where Travis rolls out to the his left and he scrambles for four yards and then they had to complete the pass to Trayshawn Ward to get a first down before finally getting in the end zone. It was not a very clean, crisp red zone, but they still got in and scored a touchdown there. I know I'm nitpicking, but I mean, they're impressive.
1: uh, I'll, you know, yes, it's a little nitpicky. I would tell you that the, passing game did not look that's how i would categorize it it was efficient but it didn't look crisp uh, and obviously that needs to be cleaned up uh, prior to friday night um, but even not playing well it was still efficient and effective and when's the last time we were able to, to say that in a sentence about a florida state offense
0: well i have not listened to what mike norvell said post game but i do know that and i don't know how many players but there was about of a- Flu, sickness, something going around the team this week. And Jordan Travis didn't practice on Wednesday. I don't know if he – I don't know how many practices he missed. But today I thought he looked like a guy that wasn't quite as sharp because maybe he missed a couple practices. Maybe some other guys did too. Uh, Regardless, and maybe it was the – the wind was a little weird today too, kind of blustery. It would would pick up and die down. And so I think that might have affected a little bit. But but all in all, the the way the offense is putting pressure on the opposing teams right now, Keith. I, I don't know why Florida State can't win a coin toss. But if the other if the opponent wants to give FSU the ball first and let them go seventy five yards and be up seven nothing, okay, we do it every week.
1: It certainly sets the tone, and they have been, as you mentioned, very consistent in that. Uh, and then backing that up uh, in those situations where they uh, on their first drive of the third quarter, well, most of the time not because of kickoff, but because the defense you know, forces the opponent three and out. Um, so, yeah, setting that tone early has been extremely valuable for this ball club.
0: Six straight games over 200 yards rushing, Keith, and Florida State did it, I think it was early in the second quarter when they got the to 200 today. I mean, this this game, it was 35-3 at half. It, it could have been 70-6 to at the end of the game had they wanted to leave their starters in. But the fact that Florida State is able to run the football this way and just completely – uh, there's something about running the football compared to throwing it that just slowly rips the heart out of an opponent. And that's what FSU has been doing over the last month and a half or last month.
1: I think the one play that epitomizes what uh, the offense has now become is is that long run, uh, what was it, 34, 36 yards by Treshawn Ward. Because remember, he missed four games five games and he's been on a limited you know snap count pitch count whatever you want to call it and to see him able to now be back to an explosive self I think is quite phenomenal and I think it speaks to how well-rounded this rushing attack is by my count looking at the if I can count this high and I do have my shoes off so I can use my toes if I need to but 10 different Seminoles got credited with a rushing attempt I know a couple of them or probably sacks on the the, the, number three, number four quarterback. But 10 kids got a rush, and 12 kids caught a pass. Those are numbers we haven't seen in a decade.
0: And four quarterbacks played. Exactly. Well, this this is now four straight games that the second team has played at least a quarter. In the case of today, Jordan Travis didn't play in the second half. At I mean, all. the defense went Not out and got a stop. And now had the defense allowed points, Travis probably goes back in. The defense got a stop. And Norvell said, all right, go ahead, Tate. And Travis got to rest. But honestly, if you look at the first half, Keith, Micah, Micah Pittman did go out. He got hit low on one of those jet sweeps and uh, went in the locker room for a bit. Then he was uh, out of his uniform in the second half. But, I mean, I think it, he's probably just got a bruised shin or whatever. I think he's fine. But point being, he was out. Johnny Wilson was out. So you're playing your second team receivers and that's not just the passing game. Those are the guys, especially Wilson and Pittman, who've been blocking at the second level to turn some of those four or eight yard runs into 15 or 20, but you hit the whole second quarter really with the the second, third and fourth quarter you played without your best receivers.
1: It is phenomenal. Now, again, we've got to recognize the opponent and, and not speaking badly about any of the kids or the fans, for, from Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns, but, you know, they, they were outmanned. Uh, this was a game that Florida State was favored by 20-something points, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but, again, as we've talked about, uh, keeping focus, uh, taking care of the little things, being able in this case to win without being as, as crisp as you would like to be, and certainly you'll need to be when you play Florida, speaks to, you know, that foundation, that coach Norvell has been talking about the climb that they continue to work on every day and the kids responding. And, and so in that regard, you know, this has been a pretty neat uh, three, four, five, six week stretch, even though they lost early in that stretch uh, to watch this team and, and with some really close games uh, amongst the, the top six and the top eight, you know, Florida State will move up again. If they beat Florida, they might move up again. I'm not
0: saying they'll get in the top ten, but they may they may get to that top 15
1: in terms of the CFP folks.
0: Yeah, I think I mean, I, I don't think it's out of the possibility if Florida State beats Florida and wins a bowl game, uh, to be top twelve in the country when all is said and done. Uh pretty close to that. Maybe top ten. A lot of folks would have to lose, but uh, it, it's been I mean you're eight you're eight wins now so in my mind and this might have been managing expectations Keith I wanted this team to get to seven and five I wanted to get back to a bowl game and not be 500 let's be above 500 so if you lose your bowl you're still above 500 so that was I mean in hindsight that was a little conservative but I was happy when they got to seven I'll take eight as gravy and the fact that you could get nine and beat both rivals in the year I don't There's a very small percentage of over-optimistic FSU fans that thought that was where this team was headed this season.
1: And then those that were completely uh, out of their minds, if you win your bowl game, it's a double-digit win season. No one was willing to stick their neck out for that.
0: Yeah, yeah, no question. How about, uh, so I mentioned Travis was not as sharp as what we've seen at times. Uh, credit his receivers. How about that catch Malik McLean made in the back of the end zone? That was not an easy catch to get a touchdown.
1: It was not. So, so do we say it was a poor throw or it
0: was a great catch? I'm telling you, it's both. <laughs> yeah, well, it might have been. I mean, sometimes that. Sometimes, to be fair to Jordan, I'd have to go back and look at it. It was a pretty tight window. There were bodies all over, so that might have been the only place he could have thrown that one. Might not have been a bad throw, but it was a it was a great catch. Uh, I just think there there continues to be a lot to like. The, the catch that Marquise and Douglas made wasn't from Travis, but he just went up. I did talk to him post-game, and he was a great basketball player growing up. He said, I always rebounded with one. He, he just went up and snatched that out of the air like it was a rebound and turned around and dove and hit the pylon.
1: Hit the pylon, exactly. And I did not appreciate – I just haven't paid as much attention to him. You mentioned that you, you did interview him. Uh, he's a pretty good-sized youngin' too. Uh, he is. <laughs>
0: He, he is. And that's, I mean, and that is one area where Florida state needs to be better is at the tight end position uh, to get somebody that, that really can be a, a lights out blocker, but also be a threat in the pass game. And they ha- they haven't really had that. Jordan Wilson, when he was here a year ago was a good blocker, but not as much of a threat in the pass game. Cam's more of a pass catcher. I mean, so I think there's, there's hope Mark Easton could be that guy, but I think they got to recruit at that position too. Uh, defensively, Keith, Renardo Green, I feel like he's been as underappreciated as every any corner could be this year because all we talked about for the first half of the season is when is, Amarian, when is Duke Cooper going to be back up to speed? And meanwhile, every week he was just chugging along over there, doing a pretty good job. I'm not saying he didn't get beat a time or two, but he's done a really nice job of, of having his back to the quarterback and being able to play via the hands of the opponent and strip some balls out. He's had a solid year.
1: Longest completion by the Cajuns uh, raging Cajuns was 30 yards. And and the one in particular play, I think we're both talking about is, is, you know, i I've never been one that likes the way the kids are coached now about keeping their back to the ball, watch the receiver's eyes. And then when their hands go up, your hands go up. Uh, I always believed in getting your head back around and finding the football, but I, I concede that I'm obviously old school, but. That particular time, that particular technique worked very well, and he was able to get his hand in there and get that ball out real quickly, and, and
0: re- the result was an incomplete pass. And Greedy Vance continues to play. Well, it just looks to me, Keith, you're a guy who starred in the secondary. This team is on the same page. I mean, there's, there's some balls that get completed, but it appears as if the communication is really good and the cohesiveness. I mean, everybody seems to know what the other one's doing.
1: I mean, there was a lot of motion and a lot of shifting that Louisiana did. Obviously, you're deep into the season, so you you should be prepared for that. But, you know, I was thinking on the way home, there was one play against Louisiana where it looked like busted coverage, and they had a couple people out in the flat, and it was an incomplete pass. The quarterback overthrew the receiver. Had it been caught, um, it would have been some substantial yardage. But that's the only time against Louisiana, and I'm thinking about on the prior three games, and I don't remember a single time on the prior three games where you would say that's busted coverage and an opponent took advantage of it. Uh, so, yes, I agree with you in terms of the cohesiveness. And I, I spent a lot of time watching the DBs and watching their hand signals and watching their communication. Um, and, and candidly, they communicate, they communicate in ways that make me nervous from the standpoint of what if somebody misses a signal, but that doesn't seem to be happening. They they are changing and doing and, and or confirming a lot of things with the quarterback ready to take the snap.
0: Let's go back to the quarterback real quick. So again, the starting quarterback for Louisiana, uh, torn ACL, uh, Jeff Colhane told me he found that out on Thursday. I'm not sure when FSU found it out. Didn't get out to the media until an hour and a half before kickoff or so. Uh, Their coach on, so what happened with their starting quarterback? He got injured last game, went into the injury tent, came out, finished the game. Their coach on Monday said that their starter was good to go. He'd be fine. So I don't know if that was smokescreen or or if there was a setback during the week. But the point I'm getting to is that the guy who started today, this was different than Georgia Tech who went to a freshman who had never played. The guy who started today had already started five football games. So they really had two quarterbacks this year. They went with the guy who tore his ACL, but the guy today was uh, he was able to have some success, but he wasn't he wasn't completely green, is the point I'm making. I, I know that the starter was out. This guy had played a decent amount of football,
1: and he was very quick. I mean, Florida State ended up with four sacks; it should have been eight because he he literally ran out of trouble, uh, you know, a half a dozen times. Uh, I was impressed with his athleticism. He, he was not always accurate. He finished the game. His name's Chandler Fields, by the way. Finished the game 19 of 36, so he's a little over 50% completion, 159 yards, uh, and, and and a touchdown. Did not throw an interception. But I was impressed with his athleticism. He was very quick.
0: Yeah, he was. Uh, he was uh, vertically challenged, uh, and I'm speaking as somebody who also is vertically challenged. I think he was 5'10". I thought they might bat a ball down or two, but that, that didn't happen in this game. I think the best thing the defense did, Keith, is the way they bowed up just before halftime because they didn't want that touchdown streak to end. That was an impressive series going into the uh, the end zone there, where the marching Chiefs are for Florida State to, to come up with several stops and force the field goal.
1: And and should have gotten out of there without the field goal. Uh, there should have been an interception on that third down play. Yeah, um, I mean, I, again, I was, I guess, I guess I was just greedy and ball hungry. But anytime that ball was near me, I'm getting my hands on it, and I'm trying to bring it down. This, this, this age group seems like they like things going through their hands, sometimes frustrating for us old, old guys.
0: Let me just look at some other defensive notes here. I'm looking at the game notes. Jamie Robinson had six tackles all in the first half. Uh, Jared Verse had another sack. Let me find the stat on Verse here. He's had a tackle for loss in every game this season. And he leads the ACC in sacks per game and tackles for loss per game. Uh, unfortunately, every time I see him get a sack, I think, "Well, there's another dollar sign or another another number that to the left of the decimal point that just went a little higher in his favor." Which is good, great for Jerry, not good for him coming back.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's 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 you know trying to balance what you want for him uh, versus you know what he could do for this club if he had another year uh, underneath that helmet. Uh, and there'll be a number of those kids that have to make those decisions uh, going forward. Uh, how about the strip from Lovett? Uh, you know, I, I thought that was a remarkable play. And he did, too. Have you watched him come off the field?
0: Yeah, he did. No, that was good. Florida State, uh, they've started to force a few more turnovers. And they actually, they, they protected the football today, too, if memory is serving right. And that was a Louisiana team that had been pretty opportunistic. I think they had 14 or 16 interceptions coming in. They were in the the top quarter of the country in terms of force and turnovers. I was looking at these numbers back to verse, KJ. Last year, uh, Jermaine Johnson had 12 sacks and 18 tackles for loss, 12 and 18. And right now, verse has 7 and 14 and missed some time. So, you know, if he he gets to 8 and 15, if he does, you know, one more sack tackle for loss next week, having missed a game and a half, I never thought that I thought verse maybe next year would be able to put up those kind of numbers, but he didn't wait till next year. I mean, he's now, he's not made as many tackles and I don't think he's been the leader that Jermaine Johnson was, but they haven't needed somebody to be Jermaine Johnson because they have other leaders like Fabian Lovett and some of the other veterans.
1: Yeah. The thing about those statistics though, Tommy, is that at the next level, they don't really focus on stats. They focus on, Uh, other measurables and verse checks off almost all of those. So even with missed time, even with numbers being quote unquote, a little down versus Jermaine the guys at the next level know who he is and what he's capable of.
0: Looking at some of the other uh, notes from this game, what else do we have to, to clean up here? Offensively, FSU didn't allow a sack for the third time this season only the 15th time in the last decade that FSU has gone a game without allowing a sack. So think about that 15 times in a decade. And three of the times have been this year that speaks to the line (laughs) and Jordan Travis, but that's pretty good.
1: Well, and it also speaks to the job that coach Atkins has done with his segment group. Uh, And again, back to the, what are you wishing for? You know, I'm about ready for that offensive line to have a little less success. So people won't be looking at Alex uh, trying to hire him away. Um, uh, please forgive me coach. Uh, but you know, there, there's another uh, struggle uh, bet- between what you want for someone that you think, uh,
0: well, of versus what you want
1: for your team.
0: What'd you think about using the wildcat today?
1: Well, I'm, I'm, I've never been a big proponent of the wildcat. Um, cause you know, you obviously are telling people what you're doing. Um, but, it it has a place and certainly um, there have been maybe Florida State hasn't had the success that other teams have had using it, uh, but there have been times in particular uh, athletes running that, that it's been very effective. You know, it, it's part of today's thing, Tommy. I don't, I don't like the fact that you're always in the shotgun. I think there's some
0: advantages for being under center uh,
1: in certain situations, but nobody listens to me on that one either.
0: No, I hear you. I hear you. Um, I think they ran out of the wildcat three times and two of them were touchdowns. The first time was the long run. The, the second time they did it, Trayshawn tripped over one of his linemen's feet on third down and they had to punt. So I was over there and uh, I, the conversation, Alex Atkins and David Johnson. So your OC and your running back coach, and there's headsets involved. They're in conversation, talking to Trayshawn. What'd you see? They get the call from the headsets on what, what unfolded. And, and basically, David Johnson looks at Atkins and says, or he looks at Trayshawn. He says, all right, here's what they're doing. If you do X, it's a walk in like there's nobody there. So they run the play again at the goal line. And literally, he does X and there's nobody there. And he walks in. So, I mean, they were all over that with what they were seeing and how they were calling it.
1: You know, the, the, the times that we hate coaches and we think they are terrible, you know, we speak so badly of them uh, and then they never get credit. Because you don't know that happened unless a Tom Block is right there to listen to it. There's no way to know that if you're watching it, you know, from the stands or even on television. Uh, so we don't give them they, they get all the bad and very, very little of the good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and FSU's been very good in the red zone again. They were six for six again today. So since the bye week, other than the first drive against Georgia Tech, which was where Toa Feely was in the Wildcat, not Ward, because Ward was out injured and he fumbled it. Every time they've been in the red zone since then, they've scored. So I, I would say that they uh, they, they found a, an area they needed to improve upon, and they have improved upon it.
1: <laughs> the other area that they've improved upon, and to me, this is really the stat of the game, and it's been pretty consistent over the, uh, this four-game winning streak. But the defense held Louisiana to just 4 of 14 on third down conversions, and the offense, FSU's offense, was 11 of 15. You do that in a game, and there's a 90-something percent chance you're going to win that ball game.
0: Yeah, well, just looking at these numbers, Florida State has scored on 83.6% of its red zone trips this season after going six for six. 17 consecutive red zone trips right now with 15 touchdowns. See, that's the big one. That and is I know, huge. I, I know the opponents are, the, you know, they're, they're, a, they're a tier below the teams that beat Florida State. But if you're going 15 touchdowns out of 17 red zone trips, uh, that, that's what the best teams in the country are doing. You, you can't really be much more productive than that.
1: Well, and Norvell has done this. His offense has done this way back to when he was OC
0: at Arizona.
1: His Memphis teams were known for this at one time before it got broken. Didn't Florida State have like 33 or 34 consecutive scoring, uh, opposite, consecutive scores in the red zone? and then that got broken and now they've added 17 consecutive to that list. Uh, as you mentioned, you're up around 83 84%. You know, that this offense that that Mike runs and his assistants have bought into is an offense that can do those types of things and they're creative. Uh, they don't get bogged down in 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 you know repeating the same mistake. Um, as you mentioned, Travis has got a complete grasp of this offense. we Nobody asks and nobody talks about it. It would be a fascinating discussion to me about how many times Travis has changed a play at the line of scrimmage. You know, even if they don't want to share the big numbers, how many times has he he done it in the red zone? And and I think you would find that those pre-snap decisions are a little more frequent than you think, and he's been real good at it. Uh, So all of that goes into, you know, how this offense is clicking right now.
0: It's going to be really interesting to see what decision Travis makes because if he comes back and I know we're not in this era now, I guess they probably still sell him. We're not in the same era where everybody would wait for the college football magazine to come out and you'd get it at the supermarket and it always have, you know, a, a highly touted player on the cover. Well, Jordan Travis is is that guy. If he comes back, I mean, he's, he'll be on a Heisman, a, a very short Heisman watch list. If he comes back, but, but forgetting the individual accolades, I think Johnny Wilson's going to come back. I think Trey Benson's going to come back. If you get your quarterback back too, I I mean, look how good the offense is right now if those guys come back next year. Wow.
1: Exactly. And, you know, there have been a couple of kids that we haven't even seen this year that, that are, were really highly touted coming out of high school. And with the way that this staff develops players uh, you know both Coach Storm and the weight room, and then you know what they do when they're their spring ball and their individual workouts uh, that are a little more allowed now than in time in the past. Yeah, there's a big upside. Now, is Florida State going to compete for the national championship last next year? If everybody comes back, I'm not willing to say that just yet, but they certainly will be a top 15, a top 12, maybe a top 10 team. And if they get a couple of breaks, they might get there. But I wouldn't be, you know, out there shouting from the rooftop. There's still work to be done, but the trajectory is really, really good.
0: Yeah, the work. There's work to be done, but uh, y- you can see the leader in the pack. Compare. You're not. You're not six turns and twelve miles behind at the Boston Marathon. You can see the guy you're chasing now. So, uh, you you've come a long way. I was just looking at this. Mike, Mike Norvell's record as a head coach in the month of November, Keith, is nineteen and five, and we're coming out of the Syracuse game where I think Dino Baber's November record is exactly the opposite of that. But it's it pretty close. He was like five and nineteen or something, and he's in his seventh year at Syracuse. Norvell's in his seventh year as a head coach. Nineteen and five. I, I didn't realize that. Now he's three and zero oh this year. That speaks to your teams are getting better as the season goes on because you were playing higher stakes games. In the case of FSU, you're playing your rival Florida every, December, every November. I don't know what Memphis's schedule looked like in that month, but that is a, that's a very good stat that I was unaware of.
1: And um, Mike is now 16 and 16 uh, as a head coach at Florida State. Uh, so as dismal as, as the first two years when we, when we look back 10 or 20 years from now, and as dismal as those first two years are, in the third year, he got his head coaching resume back to 500 and has a chance to add some more to it.
0: Well, we won't get too much into the uh, the Gator talk uh, right now. We'll do that on our regular show, which will air on Wednesday as always, and then hit the feeds. Uh, but I did see Anthony Richardson through for 400 yards today in a losing effort. And uh, when you look at the stats, they're they're tilted in favor of Florida. So there was some screwy stuff like a fumbled pun or a, a defensive score, or something like that, that, you, you, that doesn't really show up in the stats. But it will be a totally different challenge next week. And Florida will be as motivated as they can be because they just got embarrassed against Vanderbilt. And as you and I are talking, their flight is getting in the air and nobody is saying a word. We know what it's like when you come back on a team flight. And uh, the result that was unexpected is what happened it's a pretty quiet somber mood on the flight back
1: yeah there's there's not a lot of talking going on and not a lot of eye contact particularly with players and coaches yeah (laughs)
0: players will not look at the coaches when when they're on that plane remind me Keith when they announced this game had moved to a Friday uh, was the only other time in history you played in that game FSU and Florida played on a Friday am I remembering that right um,
1: I, I I think we played twice. So yes, that would mean I played one of them. But my freshman year, '77, I did not play in that game, and that's the one I distinctly remember as being a Friday game. That was 37-9, where my dad's partner, Max uh, Westgate, was on the CB radio. For those of you who don't know what a CB radio is, that was a radio you had in your car, and it, it was the Breaker Breaker one 19 that Burt Reynolds and uh, Smokey and the Bandit made famous. Uh, and all the way back from Gainesville to Wildwood, because Max had driven over to ride with us. Um, Max was going breaker, breaker, one, nine, breaker, breaker, one, nine, Florida State 37, your premium nine. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I honestly have to go back and look. My memory is, uh, is, is fading on me, but you know, the, the thing about it, I heard some folks um, I've, I've heard some folks over this week as they've gotten ready for, thanksgiving and and everything complaining about the game being on friday night uh and and i've not i've not i've not challenged anyone I've, i've been good i've kept my mouth shut but here's the thing about it tommy there's not another college game on and everybody will be tired from shopping and everybody will be home and visiting what better way for Mike Norvell and this coaching staff and these kids and this athletic administration to put on a display of how Florida State has, has gone into the, the depths and is now climbing its way back out and, and to be able to show the country what this program and where it's at right now. I mean, from that standpoint, it's, a, it's an unbelievable opportunity. It may be a little different, People might not be accustomed to it. Um, I know it's a, you know, got one day less or one less day to prepare, uh, but it is an unbelievable opportunity, in my opinion.
0: Well, Michael Alford talked about it on Saturday on the radio network, Keith, and ABC or ESPN contacted him and he had a conversation with Norvell. And it comes down to exactly what you just said. We can choose now to be the only game in town on Friday night with everybody watching or we can roll the dice that we get a good window on Saturday. But I'm looking at the schedule for next Saturday, Keith. It's rivalry weekend. So you already have. I mean, when you look at this schedule, Michigan and Ohio State are at noon. So if you're head-to-head with them, you're splitting it. Alabama and Auburn are playing. Washington and Washington State. Kansas, Kansas State. Oregon, Oregon State. Michigan State, Penn State. Colorado, Utah. I mean, you're just in a sea of notable games. And Florida State said, no, we're taking the primetime window on Friday night and then, selfishly speaking, Keith, people like me and you get to watch the rest of the games on Saturday. So it, I'm all in. It's a win-win for me.
1: And, and again, to uh, harken back to the uh, earlier years, you know, how did Florida State, how did Coach Bowden build this program in, in the late 70s and through the mid-80s and into the late 80s? Uh, now, he inherited some of those really bad away games when he got there. But he was also very willing, like Coach Norvell evidently was in his conversation with A.D. Alford, to say, yes, we need to take advantage of this. I I think there's been a a prior Florida State coach that uh, basically shied away from those things. Uh, We won't name any names, but I think everybody knows who
0: it is. That feels like a good place to just end this show, Keith. What do you think?
1: Nope, nope, I got to salute, and I'm going to salute a, a group this time, Tommy. It's time for our performance of the game sponsored by our good friends at Prime Meridian Bank, and I'm going to salute the offensive line. We haven't talked about them. Uh, they've gotten a lot of ridicule uh, in prior years. Uh, there were some questions early this year, uh, but they have put together uh, six consecutive games of 200 yards plus, plus rushing. So uh, I'm going to salute – I still call them the big uglies, but I do it with a smile on my face and love in my heart. I still call them the big uglies, but we're going to salute Florida State's offensive line for a wonderful, unbelievable, really good performance. And speaking of performance, uh, if you need a checking account, business or personal, you need a loan, a home equity line, uh, go see our friends at Prime Meridian Bank. They've got offices in Tallahassee and Crawfordville as well as down in Lakeland. Uh, They'll greet you with a smile. They'll call you by name. Local decisions made by uh, local folks. Uh, And uh, I encourage you to go stop by and see them. You can visit them on the web at trymybank.com. But uh, performance by the offensive line, performance by our sponsor, Prime Meridian Bank. I think that's how we should end this particular podcast. What do you think?
0: Sounds sounds good, Keith. Enjoyed it, uh, as always. Appreciate the flexibility on this one. And we'll catch up uh, in the middle of the week and do another show.
1: Sounds good, Tommy.
0: All right, he's Keith. I'm Tom. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles.